A look at college football news, analysis, and insight from around the Big Ten Conference. This is Big Ten Paradigm, part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. And here's your host, Mark Rogers. The Scott Frost era at Nebraska over after four seasons plus 47 total games. It seems like all of them were one score losses. Welcome to the Big Ten Paradigm, episode number three, right here on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. We appreciate your time and uh, please join the discussion. Give us a like, give us a comment down below. Join us on my YouTube platform. We've got 25 team channels plus the main channel, The Voice of College Football, again on YouTube. And we upload this Big Ten Paradigm podcast each and every Monday, again, it's available on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. So many great podcasts there, so please check it out. All right, Scott Frost, 16 and 31 in Nebraska. He just had to go. Here's the deal. Most people, it was conventional wisdom, thought if Nebraska got off to a bad start and they pretty much surpassed our expectations there, that Scott Frost would be shown the door after October 1st because the buyout on the contract would be reduced from $15 million to $7.5 million. So it could be questionable from a financial standpoint as to whether this was a good move at this time, coming two to three weeks before October 1st and the reduction in the buyout. However, following what we saw against Northwestern, what we saw even a week later against South Dakota, struggling into the fourth quarter, tied at 17, the botched, Onside kick call against Northwestern in week one, kind of being the microcosm of the Scott Frost era at Nebraska. And of course, culminating in a Big Ten loss for a second consecutive year as a big favorite against a Big Ten opponent in week zero. They get the one win, sure, against South Dakota. Then they fall as a 23-and-a-half-point favorite to Georgia Southern. It's Georgia Southern out of the Sunbelt Conference, coached by Clay Helton. It got to a point here where even though the financial considerations, I'm sure, were made, this was the right choice made by Nebraska AD Trev Alberts and the Nebraska administration. It just became a bad, bad situation. The fans were chanting at the games, fire frost. He probably shouldn't have been retained for this season, but Nebraska went the way of a coaching reset, much like what we saw with Brian Kelly at Notre Dame in 2016. After that season going into 17, it obviously worked in a big way and worked in a big way for Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. The reset, the salary reduction, uh, confronting the coach to make changes on the coaching staff, but with Nebraska, not working after three games, and that seems to be jumping the gun for a particular season specifically, of course, but you add it all up and the coaching blunders and the lack of development, the lack of discipline by the football team, and just not playing up to a recruiting standard is actually the best in the Big Ten Western Division. With all those schools, Minnesota, Purdue, and certainly Iowa and Wisconsin performing better than Nebraska, Nebraska recruits better than those schools. So Scott Frost, after 47 games, 31 of those losses, 10 and 26 in the Big Ten. This was a bad situation, and the stench from this situation 
just had to be removed as quickly as possible to show the fan base, the boosters, the alumni, and college football as a whole that this is Nebraska football. This cannot be tolerated anymore. This is embarrassing. And, you know, for the recruiting that's in process right now leading up to the December national signing deadline, this had to be done. This had to be done just to move on, reset. We all knew, probably going back to the Northwestern game, that Scott Frost, barring a miracle, was done at Nebraska. 5-22 and 22 in one-score games. One-score games, there's a bit of randomness to that record for any football coach in a small period of time, but it's so egregious, it's so bad, and the situations are so obvious to show that Scott Frost, for whatever reason, after his tenure as an offensive coordinator, successfully at Oregon, moving to UCF, turning an 0-12 program into an undefeated Peach Bowl New Year's Six champion, famously in 2017, coming back as the favorite son. It looked like the perfect fit because of his coaching acumen coming up the ranks in classic style at that point. And then obviously being the favorite son, the star quarterback, national championship ring, knowing the culture, the environment, the institution, the campus, and knowing the lay of the land and what Nebraska football means to that state and living it, knowing it, breathing it, and having that motivation, that incentive to make Nebraska great again, it seemed like the perfect fit, but it didn't work. So now we move ahead. Mickey Joseph has been installed as the interim head coach, wide receiver coach, Mickey Joseph. He has no experience in this role. He's going to rely on his coaching staff, of course. Offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple. Okay, Mickey Joseph is a tremendous recruiter. He connects with student athletes. He is a tremendous coach. He is an up-and-comer. If he is able to unite the team, and really pull off something special here. Not something ridiculous like win the rest of the games, go 9-0, and where we would see a marked improvement, significant improvement in this team, their approach to the game. I don't think that they gave up on Scott Frost. I don't think it was an effort issue. It was just poor coaching. This poor game management, time management, poor development of players, poor schematically, uh, no detail, no attention given to special teams until this season. And that cost the team several games. And now if you bring in Mickey Joseph and he's able to, rather than allow it to go off the rails, you know, these kids could give up on the season and just think about transfer portal, get out of here, go on to a better situation. But if he's somehow able to connect to this team and say, hey, us against the world mentality, let's prove people wrong. Let's prove how truly good you are as football players and how good we can be as a football team. And if he's able to unite this football team and do something special, I'll put it in record terms, wins and losses, six and three, seven and two, the final nine games, then he should be considered, seriously considered to be the next head coach at Nebraska. But that's a tall order. You know, consider this. One more thought on Mickey Joseph. 
he would be an ex, an inexperienced head coach moving forward. However, think about what happened at Ole Miss in a difficult situation coming off of the Hugh Freeze debacle. They went within the family, within the Ole Miss community, the family there, and they elevated Matt Luke, who had never been a head coach. But what did they they do at Ole Miss? They surrounded him with experience. They made Rich Rodriguez his offensive coordinator and Mike McIntyre his defensive coordinator. Of course, Mike McIntyre was the head coach at Colorado and um, also at uh, San Jose State. Rich Rod, of course, at Michigan and West Virginia. So two somewhat accomplished head coaches, long-term head coaches in coordinator roles to help lead the head coach, help him out with things, help him to be understanding and aware of things that otherwise he would never uh, be expecting. Okay, so that's one thought. Tons of candidates out there, of course. Mark Stoop seems to be at the top of the list. And yes, all-time, historically, Nebraska and Kentucky, there's no question, there's no comparison between the two brands, but we are talking about the current landscape of college football. I don't know that Mark Stoops would leave Kentucky and the SEC to go to Nebraska. He has better recruiting footprint there at Kentucky. He's got a great thing going. And right now, Kentucky's a better football brand than Nebraska because of Mark Stoops. If Nebraska can get Mark Stoops, check, get him now. Same thing with Matt Campbell at Iowa State. That name's out there. Anytime there's a big job, of course, Matt Campbell was able to turn a two to four win program at Iowa State into a Big 12 contender. He's phenomenal. Sign me up. He would be the next head coach at Nebraska instantly as well. I don't know that Matt Campbell would want to leave Iowa State and go to a place where winning is expected. Bo Pelini was fired after nine and three. That seems laughable right now. And we know that there were other things involved with Bo Pelini's dismissal. He didn't get along with people, rub people the wrong way, made enemies at Nebraska. So, and the standard was different. They were only a, a decade removed at that point from national contention. And now nine and three would seem like miracle type of work at Nebraska. Gary Patterson, his last few years at, T at uh, TCU were not as successful. Uh, I have always just been a Gary Patterson fan. What he did at TCU over the course of 20 years, no, nothing short of remarkable. However, I don't know if he's just on the other side of his coaching prime. And I think it showed at TCU, kind of lost the fire, the passion. And I don't want to question the man's incentive in any way. But just from an outside perspective, that's my thought there. Jim Leonard, Wisconsin defensive coordinator, has been talked up. And, uh, of course, what he does with the Wisconsin defense on an annual basis is remarkable. Kind of the antithesis of what we've seen at Nebraska. He takes three-star recruits and builds a top-five defense annually. No, not Urban Meyer. <laughs> not Urban Meyer. I just don't see Urban Meyer taking the job unless he really wants to coach that badly. Nebraska's got so much going for it. And in this NIL era, actually 
based on all the resources and the contacts and connections that I have, the people that know that work Nebraska football and uh, are close to the situation from a media standpoint, the NIL con- collective has been given great attention, great financing, and is first rate. So that's a plus that I wouldn't have necessarily predicted for Nebraska. And the school is committed to winning in football. The school is committed to supporting. The fan base is remarkable, maybe the best in the nation. Just consider what they've been through, and they still pack the house. Now those sellouts are sometimes manipulated a bit, but they pack the house, unlike any other down football program across the country. So the facilities, everything, everything working for this school except maybe the most important component, and that's recruiting base. Within a 500-mile radius, it's just not there. Not enough football players, not good quality elite football players. So that can be overcome, but it's difficult, and I don't know that Urban Meyer wants to go into a situation like that. He wants to go into a situation based on his vast success in the past, uh, an experience that's going to provide him with the resources that he can win immediately and win at the very highest level. Next up for the Huskers and Mickey Joseph, a visit from Brent Venables and Oklahoma. We'll talk up that game in just a minute right here on Big Ten Paradigm, part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. So college football season's been underway now for a few weeks. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity that you can rely on, like Bet Us. Did you know that Bet Us has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for over 25 years, thriving and paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely? That's important. Well, we want you to go to BetUs.com and take advantage of an offer we have with our shows right here at uh, College Gridiron Coast to Coast. You'll receive 125% sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Put $100 in, get an additional $125 to play with. That's crazy. $200 initially deposited gets you $250 and so on. And BetUs also has the NFL, Major League Baseball postseason's coming. It's going to be NBA season before you know it, as well as almost any sport you can think of. But we know you're college football junkies, and we want you to be with all us all season right here on BetUs. Check them out at betus.com. And remember, our 125% match bonus for initial signups with our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Make sure you remember the code. Bet us. You bet. You win. You get paid. It was a bad week for the Big Ten, and it was all bad on the west side of the conference. Nebraska lost to Georgia Southern. Did we really need to cover that situation? I think it was so bad, it should have cost uh, a head coach's job. Northwestern, we should have seen this coming. I actually did see it coming. Ten and a half point favorite at home against Duke. Northwestern had a bye week to work with to prepare for the game. And they came out flat at home. When you look at the stands at Ryan Field for most games, you can... You can understand why a team might be flat at 11 a.m. Duke got out to a 21-0 lead, cruised home to the win, 31-23, although the Wildcats had an opportunity. They closed it to five points, 
twice in the second half. And they were just about to score the touchdown that would have set up the two-point conversion to send it to overtime. But Evan Hall, who had such a remarkable game with 278 yards of total offense, fumbled in the end zone. He was just maybe a half yard away from pay dirt, fumbled in the end zone with 12 seconds left to play. Northwestern goes down, couldn't run the ball against Duke. 2.2 yards per carry, 76 yards rushing. That forced Ryan Holinsky into 60 pass attempts. That is not Northwestern football. On the flip side, this Northwestern defense that was so horrendous in 2021 and was, let's say, resourceful, opportunistic against Nebraska, but not good, shredded in the first half. Well, they gave up 6.3 yards per carry to Duke, 221 yards rushing. Duke has defeated Northwestern now four consecutive times, and Northwestern has generally been the better team all of those seasons, but somehow Duke has it on Northwestern as these two have forged a series in recent years. Four consecutive wins for Duke. Northwestern drops to one and one. Wisconsin falls at home as a 17 and a half point favorite to Wazoo, 17-14. Wisconsin statistically dominated the game, had the ball for 38 minutes. Ran 25 more plays, 75 to 50. 401 yards of total offense for the Badgers, 253 for Wazoo. Clay Cundiff, the tight end for Wisconsin, scored a couple touchdowns, but he also had a fumble at the 12-yard line with five minutes left, and Wisconsin could not get the ball back on defense. We touted up Jim Leonard. Of course, he's phenomenal, but the Wisconsin defense could not get the ball back in the final five minutes. Washington State wins a big one, 17-14. Bad loss for the Big Ten. And another bad offensive showing for Iowa resulted in a bad loss for the Big Ten. Iowa State wins for the first time after six consecutive Iowa wins in the Cyhawk series, 10-7. Spencer Petrus could not complete 50% of his passes for a second consecutive week. 2.3 yards per carry for the Hawkeyes. Their lone touchdown drive. Their lone field goal drive in week one against South Dakota State was, I think, five yards. Okay, they're improving. Their touchdown drive, their lone touchdown drive, 16 yards. Kirk Ferentz said after the game, we will consider making a move at quarterback. There was one little glimmer of optimism. I know the Big Ten won the rest of its games, but they were insignificant rollovers. Michigan over Hawaii by 46 points. The Buckeyes basically were sleepwalking against Arkansas State, won by 33, and on and on and on. The opponents were Charlotte and Idaho, schools like that. Wagner, the big bright spot for the Big Ten. Illinois against Virginia. Don't know that a lot of people took notice of this game. Brandon Armstrong, one of the best quarterbacks in the country for Virginia, torched Illinois last year, 405 yards and five touchdowns. This year, the Illini defense held them, obviously, out of the end zone. Only 180 yards passing for Armstrong, two interceptions. Chase Brown had another stellar game for the Illini. He has now rushed for 500 yards in three games. 
You're listening to the Big Ten Paradigm, dropped every Monday for you right here on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. Check out the other podcasts. All right, folks, we know that with the season cranked back up, you're looking for the best seats at the most competitive prices. And we want to make sure you take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. We know that buying college football tickets online requires trust and Ticket Smarter has partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace. They have also partnered with ESPN Events as an official ticket resale partner as well. And with the best selection of NCAA football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of college football live. Purchase your tickets quickly, securely, and at the best prices on the secondary market with the Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. And we've got an additional offer for those listening to all our podcasts here on College Gridiron Coast to Coast. So it's not just the Big Ten Paradigm, all our podcasts on College Gridiron Coast to Coast. Take 5% off of your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's G-R-I-D. I-R-O-N-22, Gridiron22, for 5% off your order of $100 or more. And that code is not just a one-time deal. No, use your code as many times as you want this season for the best selection of college football seats to the very biggest games. Check out the selections and the pricing now with Ticket Smarter. And remember our code, Gridiron22. Think smarter, ticket smarter. On the Big Ten docket for week three, the aforementioned Nebraska Cornhuskers now coached by not Scott Frost, Mickey Joseph. 13 and a half point dogs against Oklahoma. The Sooners come to town at 2-0, having defeated UTEP and Kent State. Sooners won the matchup 23-16 in 2021. Two very different programs and teams right now than one year ago. Although Clay Thompson was the quarterback at Texas and uh, torched Oklahoma's secondary last year for five touchdown passes, and Nebraska fans would love any part of that. Brent Venable's defense has given up 19 points in two games to those minors and golden flashes. And we'll see if Nebraska has new life under Mickey Joseph in the interim. Purdue at Syracuse. Boilers coming off a huge win over Indiana State, 56-0. Of course, took a bitter pill against Penn State in the opener. Are a two-point favorite against Syracuse. The Cuse is 2-0. Dino Babers trying to save his job. They knocked off Louisville in the opener, impressively 31-7. So not a give-me for the Boilers at the Carrier Dome. Penn State at Auburn. This is the game of the week. In terms of brand matchups, Big Ten in the SEC, the only time they get together this season, I believe. Yes, Penn State's a three-point favorite at uh, Jordan-Hare Stadium. They won, of course, a matchup between these two in dramatic fashion. Close, close game at a Happy Valley last season. Penn State looking to go 3-0 and after demolishing the, the Bobcats of Ohio 46-10. Colorado at Minnesota. The Buffs might be the worst team in the Power Five now that we've seen life out of Rutgers with a big win over 
Boston College in week one. Kansas defeated West Virginia. Yes, Colorado looks like the very worst team in the Power Five. They're a 27-point underdog in Minneapolis. The Gophers have rushed for 604 yards in two games. Minnesota's defeated a low FBS team and a FCS team 110-10, to and Colorado's been outscored by TCU and Air Force 79-23. This is mismatched city all over the place. Colorado and Minnesota got together last season. That point spread was actually in Colorado's favor at home, believe it or not. And Minnesota completely dominated the game 30 to nothing and outgained the Buffs 441 to 63. Minnesota at home against Colorado looking to go to 3 and 0. Michigan State at Washington. Nice little matchup here. Huskies, a two-point favorite at home. Peyton Thorne's off to a marginal start. Four touchdowns, three picks, only 57% completion percentage against the likes of Central Michigan and Akron. Jalen Berger, the Wisconsin transfer, 227 yards in two games for the Spartans, trying to replace Kenneth Walker III. Four touchdowns on the ground, seven yards per carry. Thanks so much for joining us for Big Ten Paradigm. You can uh, catch this podcast each and every Monday right here on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. Also, keep in mind that you can join me, Mark Rogers, at the Voice of College Football on YouTube. There is no shortage of content there. We've got uh, stringers and contributors from all over the country talking college football with us every day. So please join us again, the Voice of College Football on YouTube. And we'll see you back here next week on the Big Ten Paradigm.